Hey, motherfuckers. Welcome back. I hope you are ready to get talking because we have so much to pick up on from where we left off last time. And I hope you're ready to dive back into these conversations. Number one, can we all just agree real quickly again that fall fucking rules? I sincerely hope you're living your best weirdo life out there right now. Number two, what an enigma of a preposterous doofus Zach Baggins is as a public figure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not done talking about ghost adventures. I rarely am. Hey, ghost, I bet it hurt when you were hanged. Oh my god, I fucking love it. Number three, there is still so much to say about nonviolent, effective communication. I could put out a different show each week with the implications of this topic, but actually I'm already doing that over on the private stream where we have been hitting it real intensely lately. You have only been hearing from me, not your fellow fuckers, for a couple of months. Which brings us to number four. Thank God there is a way for these deludes of recovery information to be organized for you on Patreon now. They are called collections and bless them because Patreon is now offering something that is actually helpful. My whole world has changed. I swear up until this point, the platform was being run by three raccoons in a trench coat. I am so glad that they finally had any developments to help patrons make sense of years of posts that have already been released. It's been a kind of a problem in their whole model so far. So check out the collections tab of your Patreon membership now, and you can find hundreds of episodes, videos, polls, and workbooks that were previously released all grouped together and categorized for your accessible ease. So if there's a topic that you want to learn more about, or there's an episode that I reference in another episode, you can find those things about 10,000 times easier than ever before. Thank you, Satan, for this change. Check it out, including this big hefty collection that's been populating week by week around nonviolent communication. The topic that seemed uninteresting to me at first, until I realized how many implications it had for T-brain recovery, not only relational rehabilitation. So that is actually what we're here to talk about today, and we're going to do it as briefly as I can with all of these recovery details that I want to tell you about swimming in my head. This is nonviolent communication as it can be applied to changing your brain, changing your life, and shaking off the typical traumanalities that plague so many of us. And uh, let's just get started, huh? Ha. Huh. Starting with trauma beliefs that you probably would like to disband for your own fucking sake. So at the root of it, nonviolent communication asks us to change our minds about a few important, pretty victimizing beliefs that are actually really common in our earthly culture and even more common in the traumatized family narratives that the vast majority of us grew up with. Now, 
Here's just a handful of them. Number one, what we think and feel about what we observe is true. Number two, our emotions come from what we're observing. Because number three, people and circumstances make us feel certain ways. Number four, if we have food, water, and a roof over our heads, we should shut the front door and pull our bootstraps more tauntly. Number five, if the people around us would just do what we wanted them to, our world would be a better place. Number six, what we say is what other people hear. It doesn't matter how we say it. As long as we express ourselves, they can interpret our meaning. And to all of that, I say, nonviolent communication says, nah, fucker. The reality is, number one, humans are judgy assholes, which ruins our entire experience on Earth and the experiences of everyone around us. Step one of nonviolent communication. Number two, our emotions come from inside of us. So do our evaluations. Very little of what we believe internally is directly related to what we observe externally. Steps one and two of nonviolent communication. Three, therefore, no one can make you feel anything at all. Your emotions belong to you. Own them or else you're making yourself a damn dirty victim to the earth. Also, step two of nonviolent communication. Number four. We have so many human needs that we don't even know about, and ignoring them is not a sign of piety. Step three of nonviolent communication. Number five, we can't control anyone. Nobody can, no matter what approach we take. And if we try, it will only create bigger problems for all of us. Step four of nonviolent communication. And number six, no, people don't understand you and you don't understand other people. We have to be careful about how we present our words and clarify our meaning within our conversations if we ever do want to be on the same collaborative page. Also, step four of nonviolent communication. So we go into these in great detail over in that private fucking stream that I know you're sick of hearing about about these beliefs and perspectives that need to be re-examined and challenged throughout and before utilizing nonviolent communication. If we don't rethink how we've been thinking about these points, then nonviolent, effective communication will not align with our underlying beliefs and we will not be able to use it. And in general, I would also say that nonviolent communication is a process for challenging that historical, toxic programming that most of us contain from our upbringings, as well as increasing our emotional intelligence, groundedness, autonomy, and personal power, not only improving our social skills. All of which you would probably agree are pretty highly CPTSD recovery relevant points. But fuckers, we have so much more to say. The conversation only deepens from here. And that is because 
nonviolent communication is founded on the principle that our unmet needs drive the rest of our unwanted experiences on earth. Now, you may have picked up on this last time, if you think back to it, we were asked to halt our automatic negative assessments of the planet and the people on it, then to figure out what we're feeling specifically in reaction to what we're observing, then to investigate the reasons for our feelings through a lens of unfulfilled universal human needs. So our needs drive our feelings, which drive our evaluations, which drive our actions. And we just learned last time that there are an exponential number of human needs besides food and shelter, which implies that no one ever taught us what needs existed or what needs we were allowed to have, which all makes a lot of sense considering how many of us were raised in neglectful homes where we were treated like burdens for even being alive. So. Why do I only recognize the need for food, water, and a roof over my head? Because that is all I ever received, and I received it with an enormous amount of guilt, as it was labeled, already asking too much from my family, and all of those things were used as threats for punishment that could easily be redacted. So, no. We traumatized motherfuckers don't know what our needs are, how to identify them, how to honor them, or how to request their fulfillment. Instead, we do know that we're trapped in horrific emotional states on the regular. They seem to come out of nowhere. So therefore, we look for reasons externally to explain the negative things that we're detecting internally. And that is where all our shitty, shitty evaluations about everything come from. Which, spoilers, then feed back to create more negative emotions. So we're trapped in this endless cycle of trash feelings and garbage assessments that result in a butt ton of projections onto the people and circumstances around us which we then attempt to control in order to find any relief from our insides, thus making ourselves helpless and also making ourselves act abusively to others. If we're trying to force change outside of ourselves to affect the way that we feel inside of ourselves, well, it's not gonna work. We're going to find out that we can't because that's not how the world operates. You can't force anyone or anything into the shape that you desire. It just doesn't work. And therefore, we feel that we have no control. We have no way to feel better. We have no way to live better. We have no hope. All because we didn't learn that we have needs which need to be attended to or else we'll be stuck in the role of untenable miser to ourselves and the people around us which brings us to our next important point we believe it is quote good 
to ignore ourselves and our needs. Am I right? Because we were punished for having needs at all growing up. And that punishment only increases as you age among the capitalist narratives of shutting up and working harder. We learned a long time ago that it's correct or morally upright to neglect ourselves. Just like the people who raised us neglected us, and just like the fake stories of CEOs neglecting themselves supposedly led to success, leaving out the millions of dollars that they were given from dad. Anyways, point is, we cut off our connection to our own needs, thinking that it is right. We're great at physically disassociating from ourselves when we have complex trauma, we're amazing at transmuting pained feelings into safer, more aggressive feelings based on what we were raised around. We're highly astute at distracting ourselves from anything negative because avoidance is one of our top skills. We're prone to staying busy or still just busily distracted and worrying more about the needs of others as a way to keep ourselves directed because otherwise we have to deal with the feelings and thoughts that we're trying to ignore. But what we aren't great at in the traumatized motherfuckers community is uh, honoring what the fuck we are needing or lacking because that is danger territory and we've been informed that we're not deserving or allowed. So. This teaches us that it's good or correct to be unfulfilled, to barely even notice that we exist at all. And the result is depression, perpetual, unending, inescapable misery and hopelessness. Depression. Because as the founder of nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg tells us, Depression is the reward we get for being a good child. And as we age, it continues to be the reward for being, I would say, just functional enough adults, right? We're trained that we need to forget about our own existences in order to check bullet points off a to-do list for others. As we grow up, we're tasked with neglecting ourselves through every moment of every day just to barely get by. And then we're told that we don't even deserve that. <laughs> Not even the most basic needs should, my least favorite word, be within our grasp, according to the folks who scream the loudest these days. Like housing, nah, you can live in the streets or with groups of strangers so you can afford rent. Food, hey, corporate gains are more important than nutrition for the masses. Drinking water, yo, we can't inhibit our production lines by caring about the environment. You don't need it. The message over and over again is stop complaining, forget what you think you need, and just do what you're told. Which is now why we have to have long conversations about defining nonviolent communication and the fact that we can't control others and we have needs. Others have controlled us to the extent that we've completely detached from our own physical existence 
and recognition of our own biological requirements. So now it's counterintuitive to realize that, yeah, that doesn't actually work out for any of us. Unless you stop and realize how fucking miserable you've always been trying to be good by needing nothing so you don't disturb the people around you by being an inconvenience or a reminder of their own unmet needs. Yeah, depression is the only reward you'll receive, and I think that it's an especially prevalent consolation prize that most of the fuckers out there have received. Especially, apparently, the lady fuckers out there. Because, at least supposedly, women extra learn to neglect their needs in order to take care of others. So another big point from the text is how we are culturally trained by gender to neglect ourselves. Because women are put into caregiving positions, they are informed that they should pay more attention to the needs of the people around them than their own needs. Thus, they learn that they can't have needs at all, and they tend to poorly communicate the ones that they can recognize. Rosenberg tells us that they over-explain and over-contextualize their requests, which confuses the situation and invites people to deny them in response. So, women being taught that we take care of others means we've also been taught that we don't take care of ourselves. And I also have to assert, I think the same thing happens for men, but in more of a provider fashion. They're taught that they have to be too tough to notice their needs so that they can keep performing in physical ways. Don't want to be called a pussy, now do we? Yeah. Either way, in whatever gender identity you were socialized, it fucks us. We learn to deprive ourselves. We have unpleasant emotions about it because our body wants us to make a change so we can reach fulfillment. But we don't understand that relationship, so we blame our feelings on other people and our environments. Then we're stuck with inaccurate and helpless perspectives that only get more radical over time as we continue to have projected thoughts and feelings that validate themselves cyclically through creating negative consequences for us. But we miss the message. The negative consequences are related to our unmet needs. What happens when we are deprived is bad things. <laughs> but what we see instead is that the negative consequences are related to the emotions of ourselves and or the behaviors of others because we don't even notice those needs that are driving the entire cart. And that misappropriation of consequences is what further inspires us to try to control and oppress our emotions and other people. <clears throat> So that is how unending conflict and continual abuse happens, both personally and interpersonally. It's also how um, essentially everything we think of as being pillars of CPTSD happens on our own. 
negative, skewed, historically-based narratives that become perceptual goggles strapped onto our faces, emotional numbing, projection, and transference, physical disassociation and self-neglect, learned helplessness and hopelessness, over-reliance on being in control in whatever ways we can, including avoidance and abuse, and cyclical patterns of trying to help ourselves, which produce the same negative results time and time again, because we are never truly addressing what needs to be ironed out. Our needs. <laughs> Instead, we get stuck trying to treat or avoid the symptoms of our deprived state forever, and we never break out of the CPTSD lifestyle. Instead, becoming another case of what I call trauma typical outcomes. Or we can use nonviolent communication for our own rehabilitation. Look, I'm telling you all of this because, yeah, nonviolent communication is a great practice in relationships. Truly, it can produce near instantaneous and very surprising results in my experience. If you use it, you might find yourself also sending screenshots to your trauma recovery friends stating, look at this. Is this progress with someone who I never expected to see any positive responses from ever? But even if you aren't communicating with others using nonviolent communication, use it with yourself, fucker, throughout your days. Stay tuned into this four-step process. Separate your evaluations from observations. Identify, specify, and claim your emotions as your own. Notice, identify, and honor your unmet needs via this list of human requirements. And make requests to yourself to fulfill those needs. Responding empathetically if you can't do it for yourself right now. And through doing this, you will break the spell of a lifetime of traumatized thinking, little by little, so that you can find a path away from traumatized living, actually fulfilled, actually experiencing positive emotions, actually assessing your world neutrally, factually, and groundedly, and with improved relationships between yourself and others, between yourself and your circumstances, and between yourself and yourself, unlike what you ever imagined was possible. The reward for taking care of yourself, for fulfilling your motherfucking needs after decades of deprivation, is contentment, emotional and mental clarity, a realistic acknowledgement of your personal power, a healthy relationship with independence, in which you can also ask for support from others when you need it. And freedom from accidentally transmitting abuse that has been programmed into your bones since birth. Because at the core of everything, let me say it another time, infinite times, we can't control others. All we can do is teach them to deceive us, resent us, or leave us. And that's good news, because we don't even want to control other people. We have a hard enough time recognizing our own needs and controlling ourselves enough to fulfill them, don't we? 
do any of us really need another brain and body to manage? Fuck nah. <laughs> what we're really aiming for when we try to control others or to control circumstances is to control our own internal experience. But we can do that safely in a way that doesn't transmit trauma or depression by using nonviolent communication to rewire how we think about how we feel and how that relates to caring for ourselves with autonomous actions. So if nonviolent communication doesn't equate trauma recovery for you, well, I don't know, fucker. Maybe you have some evaluations getting mixed in with your observations, driven by your feelings that nothing ever works, spawned by your unmet needs for efficacy and growth. Or, I don't know, maybe you're not quite ready to be a little more nonviolent, aka, you're going to hate this, effective. Because it's actually pretty terrifying to realize how much power you do have within yourself after a lifetime of stranding yourself in narratives about what you can't do because of the actions of others. And with that, I say, my fucker, sincerely, earnestly, I do hope you will check out the full story about this topic over on the private stream at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. I am sorry for bringing it up so many times. I normally do not push my content this hard, but I also don't normally talk for so long on this pl public platform. The reason for both is because of how much I believe in this tool. After originally, honestly, not giving a single fucking shit about it because I wasn't in a place where any of my needs were being fulfilled and therefore I hated everything on this planet. So please take a dive into nonviolent communication with myself, with Yvette Erasmus, or with Marshall Rosenberg. You can find all of those names in the transcript over at t-mfrs.com. And please start rehabilitating your life by simply, but counterintuitively, learning to start caring about your own needs. Till then, hail your motherfucking self. It's not something that you deserve. It's your right to take care of you. Hail the perceptual clarity and improved life experience that lies in waiting via nonviolent communication. Hail, Archie. Hail, my brain getting so excited about this topic that I feel like a real functioning human again. Hence all the material I have been churning. And that's it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. And cheers, y'all. Take care of yourselves. For real. Bye.